They're prominent, they're successful, and some are more than a little controversial. On Face to Face with Success, brought to you by Nashua. Saving you time, saving you money, putting you first. This is Face to Face with Success. I'm Charlotte Kilbane. This time we're talking to a Silicon Valley hero. A man who reimagined an entire industry and started a revolution in the sharing economy. His name is Brian Chesky, and together with two others, he founded Airbnb. It all started with two broke guys wondering how they'd make rent on their San Francisco apartment. We did not have enough money to pay rent. That weekend, the International Design Conference was coming to San Francisco. The hotels they were conference was recommending on their website were sold out. And so our idea was very simple. What if we just turned our house into a bed and breakfast for the design conference? Unfortunately, I didn't have any beds. Joe had three air beds. We pulled the three air beds out of the closet. We inflated them. And we called it the air bed and breakfast. That was late 2007, so less than 10 years ago. And we had a big insight. Joe and I realized if people could experience what we experience, this would be an idea that would spread around the world. I asked Joe, I said, who's the best engineer you know? He said, my old roommate natives, the three of us got together and we said, what if you could book someone's home the way you could book a hotel worldwide? It was the seed of an idea. They built it, tried to market it, maxed out their credit cards, met with potential investor after potential investor, but nobody bit. In fact, their big plan was rejected over and over again as the dumbest idea ever. I mean, it was actually pretty radical at the time. In hindsight, it probably doesn't seem so radical, but at the time, we were not aware of any websites where you could, on the website, book and pay another person. The closest thing was eBay, and they owned PayPal, but you still had to leave eBay and go to PayPal. This notion that you could like book something from another person as if you were going to a store it was completely new. And out of that created this whole new movement. You know, It's been labeled the sharing economy or peer-to-peer commerce, but it was totally different. And so many people, including investors, thought we were crazy. They said strangers will never sleep in the beds of other strangers. This will never work. I remember one person said, I hope that's not the only idea you're working on. And people tried to convince us out of it. And again, we kind of always believed in the idea because of that first weekend. I think we, that was our unique insight. Yeah, we were airbed and breakfast. Airbeds weren't selling. At one point, we were selling collectible breakfast cereal. That was like rock bottom, although it kind of, I think it built some character of sorts. But I think we all like to relive stories that somebody has an idea, and if you have a good idea, then people of the world can experience it. The truth of the matter is that most of what we today call good ideas started off as different ideas that were really bad ideas, or they're the same idea, but they seem like really bad ideas. We only now, in hindsight, think they're really good ideas because there's this validation, everyone else accepts it. And I think that was Airbnb. It's in a sense like the worst idea that ever worked. That's what it felt like at the time. The rejection, the lack of growth, and the growing debt would have broken most people. But Brian and his partners had faith. First thing you're telling yourself is, all people have to do is experience it. And at some point you're asking yourself, why won't they experience it? And then you start having self-doubt. It's like, maybe it's not as good as you thought. Like you start wondering. And then you go through, no, no, it is as good as you thought. All that you experience. And you kind of go through this kind of cycle of like having confidence, wondering why people don't believe it, then wondering about yourself and say, no, 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 no. So it's kind of this perpetual thing and it kind of plays itself out fairly <laughs> repeatedly for sometimes years. You have to be focused in the future. 
you have to be very careful about living too much in the present because if the present's really painful, you'll try to escape it. So you're always looking at the mountaintop. It's kind of like you're climbing a mountain. It doesn't matter how hard it is. You keep looking at that mountain. As long as you know where you're trying to get to and you have certainty about it, then you have faith that it might take a little longer than you thought, but you'll find a path and you have to have the faith. And the faith comes from conviction and passion. And you have to be passionate because as they say, sometimes like only irrational, slightly crazy people would do what we do when you just have so much initial doubt. In the true tradition of so many tech entrepreneurs, Brian is young. He's just 35. He has an estimated net worth of more than 3 billion US dollars. I ask him if he feels successful. He pauses for a long time. That's an interesting question. I think that um, I would be crazy not to say yes, because as my girlfriend reminds me, like, you know, how would any up-and-coming entrepreneur feel if I said no, but you're always like in a state of becoming. Like, to say you're successful is to say you've kind of stood at the top of the mountain. And I think that for me, as an entrepreneur, we're kind of always climbing. There's always a pursuit. So I'm wary to like make a definitive statement that suggests that like we can stop and rest. Um, I think that the more problems you solve, the more people have used it, almost like the more you uncover that's still to be solved. When I was growing up, I grew up in a little town called Niskuna, New York. I was taught that you kind of sit straight, you try not to get in trouble, and maybe you can one day get a good job and have a nice family. And when I went to art school, I, did, I remember people used to say, Brian, everything around you is designed by the designers. You could redesign the world that you live in and live your own potential. Maybe one of the best things for me is you can, I've been able to, in a small way, design a little bit of the world that I live in. And it's a world that's built around the ideals that are very, very important to us. You know, a world where people and community is at the center. And because of that, I'm surrounded by amazing people every day, whether it's the employees that we have or the community that we get to experience. And so it's kind of like a dream because you're just always among cool people. You know, I'm not sure what more there is to life than that. Brian's big on a sense of community. He sees what he and his partners have built as a movement more than just a business. When we started, we said, this is going to be huge. One day, thousands of people will use it. And then one day, thousands of people used it. And we said, well, millions of people will use it. And then once millions of people stayed in homes, we started thinking, well, maybe we can make a much bigger impact. So it's like you keep climbing a mountain, and you get to the top of the mountain and realize, actually, it's a summit. But you just got over the top mountain, but there's a bigger mountain in the background. So you kind of keep emerging a greater mountaintop, a greater mission, so to speak. And... The one we have today, which has been fairly consistent, is we want you know to live in a world, and I want a kid today growing up to know that they could grow up in a world where they can belong truly anywhere, any neighborhood, any community, any block, any home. And that's kind of why we do what we do. And it started with homes, and we have more than 3 million homes, more than 160 million people have stayed in those homes. That's allowed people to stay in neighborhoods and not go somewhere like outsiders, but live there like locals. But there's another thing after that, which is it's another, what's one thing to live in a home, but it's another thing to live in a community. And to live in a community, you need to be surrounded by people outside of the home, in the streets, where they go, doing what they love to do, experiencing the city with them. And that's what Airbnb trips and experiences, where that's where that comes in. And that's why we launched those in Cape Town. It's one of the first 12 cities we launched in because we wanted people to not just be able to feel like they were home when they're traveling, but we wanted to feel like they were part of a community. 
I definitely don't think it's tourism. I mean, like maybe this is semantics, but I've always kind of referred to modern tourism or mass tourism as doing things locals would never do. So if you're doing something someone who lives there would never do, then you're kind of being a tourist. You're kind of alone, aligned, you're outside. You're kind of looking at the community, not participating in the community. And I think what we're doing is participating in the community. What we're offering is authentic, it's local, you participate, but it's part of the community. And I think the end goal is very simply, one day you come to Airbnb and you put a magical trip end to end. And one day we have many more people using Airbnb and they can go to any community in the world and they can book their entire experience from the time they leave their home, the time they come back to their home. That trip can be memorable, maybe even transformational. There's an old saying that in travel, a great trip sets you down a path that doesn't end when you return. And we want travel to be magical, not touristy. And the magic is in the people and the community. And so we ultimately want these trips to really be a way to unlock the people in these communities. We found you know, 55% of our hosts are women. Women have cumulatively on Airbnb earned $10 billion since we started, $10 billion. So there's a lot of incremental money that goes around. And a lot of the money that goes to these communities would not have ever gone to these communities. I just came from Harlem, New York, where 100,000 people stayed in Harlem. Many of those people would never have stayed. With experiences, the economic impact is just as great, sometimes even greater. The reason why is actually the biggest asset in the world is not people's homes, it's their time. And in a time where automation and globalization is threatening more and more jobs, anybody can build a reputation and become an entrepreneur. If you have a passion, if you have something you can share with the world, you can immediately start doing that. And the added benefit here in South Africa is there's parts of South Africa, um, like townships, where travelers would never really go there. Or as somebody once said, they're like human safaris. You go to like stare at them and pass through them. But passing through a place doesn't benefit the place because you're not stopping to spend money. You're not stopping to understand it. You're not interacting with the community. You're not participating. You're looking at it. You're driving through it. You're staring down at it. And so I think the idea that we can disperse travel is a big idea um, that I would like to do. People should go to Paris, but not everybody should go to Paris. Not everyone should go to the same part of Paris and crowd that area. There's actually amazing areas all over the world. And the more we disperse travel, the more A, travel is really affordable because you know, like the places people don't go to are by the almost definition less expensive. But the also the more local and authentic and the more we can spread out dollars and empower local communities. Brian could have wound up living a very different life. He actually started off as a designer. Entrepreneurship found him. I studied industrial design and when I graduated, I got a job at an industrial design firm and I think like a year, year and a half into that job, there was a reality television show that Simon Cowell from American Idol produced called American Inventor. It was kind of like the invention version. And I wasn't either contestant on the show, but they had like, you know, a dozen or maybe two dozen contestants. And each of them hired like a design firm. And one of them was a magician who hired my design firm. My design firm was like three designers and I was one of them. And so one of my kind of claim to fame for Airbnb was I was on reality television designing a better toilet seat called the Pure Flush. And at some point I started realizing nothing against the design of toilet seats, but you know, this was not redesigning the world I wanted to live in. Maybe it's redesigning the world you're sitting on when you're going to the bathroom, but it was not, you know, what I imagined and I'm thankful that I'm doing this instead. I think anyone can be an entrepreneur. 
it's one of those things that we don't really talk about in pop culture. Where I grew up, everyone wanted to be Michael Jordan. Or they wanted to be like a famous singer. Or maybe they wanted to be in President of the United States. But I don't remember any kid in the class saying, I want to be an entrepreneur. There weren't really movies made about them. They weren't really like idolized. And it kind of wasn't something you could be. And what I would say about entrepreneurship is it is something that anyone can do. It's, it's one of the few things that everyone can I'm not sure everyone can be a doctor. You know, I'm not sure everyone can be a professional athlete. I do think almost anybody can be an entrepreneur. I mean, if you have the right mindset. And the mindset is that you have to be resourceful, disciplined. If you have your own discipline, if you have passion, if you have an idea, something that you want to solve, something that you think could be a little bit better, you can, you can do it. And the most important ingredient you need is to be just relentless, just to never quit and never give up. And these are universal qualities, and you can learn them on the job while doing them. And honestly, the best time to start a company is immediately because every year is harder than the year before, almost for everybody. It never gets easier, and everyone says, I need more business experience to be an entrepreneur. And there's no such thing as business experience to be an entrepreneur except being an entrepreneur. So if you ever want to start a company as soon as possible is always the best answer. You've been listening to Face to Face with Success with me, Charlotte Kilbane. Join us next time for more stories of success. Visit thesolutionslab.co.za to listen to more success stories on Face to Face with Success. Brought to you by Nashua. Saving you time, saving you money, putting you first.